Welcome back to the Sexton Wolfpack. We are so excited to have you here. Before we begin, I just want to announce that we are now on Patreon. It is such an awesome experience over there. We do pretty much weekly Q&As where we answer things like what's our favorite position, um, how to have better sex, how to feel more confident. We really go into depth in these little mini episodes for you. We also host a monthly two-on-one session giveaway, which mm -hmm. is you have the opportunity every month that you're subscribed to our community to win a session with Camille and me where we have an hour with you to discuss whatever it is that you want to discuss. So along with that, you get early entry, early access to any of our future events, to our retreats, anything that we put on in the future. And we also put up a lot of really fun content from when we were young and you get to feel closer to us and to just be more interactive there. So check out patreon.com slash the sex den and join us for as much as two coffees a month. 1111 baby. Welcome back to the Sex Den podcast. It is episode number 33. Wow. I know. Isn't that exciting? That is exciting. And personally, this has been my favorite season yet. Oh yeah. Lauren? It's our third, it's our third season, episode 33. Today is 333. 333. How exciting. And today we are talking about seasons in life and processing our emotion through masturbation whoa I know <laughs> I, I cannot wait for that I always when I'm listening back to our our episodes this is just a random little situation I will have like one phrase that I stick to through the <laughs> episode okay. whether it's like whoa or Hey, hey. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey. Hey, <laughs> hey. I always have one little phrase I carry through. So we'll see what it is this time. Okay. If you well, all catch it, DM it to me or put it on our Patreon. We'll share it with the crowd. I was cracking up because I feel like you disclose some like sometimes personal information. <laughs> like on our last episode, you said, um, you know, it, before it would have been a red flag for me potentially if somebody had already been divorced and now I'm going to be on the dating market and I'm getting divorced. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> to you that are just, it's like, it sounds so, um, <laughs> that word it's not nonchalant. It's like, uh, with like a lack of empathy. It's just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. You go, you do that. Whoa. It's <laughs> just like why why I could just remain silent, but hey. I, I love whoa. <laughs> well, hopefully our sound is okay today. We had a very, very confusing day because now Camille and I are apart, which will be part of our weekly update. Might as well just do that now, sis. Yeah, we're in separate cities now. So I moved up the coast of Mexico a little bit. And I am exploring a new city for a couple weeks. So I feel actually really good in this city. Tulum is a vortex of swirling energy that is 
sometimes you don't realize how intense it is until you're gone. Right. And then you're like, oh, okay. Other places you don't feel that energetically shaken. (laughs) So I'm in another place. I'm also right by the water, which is really exciting. I have been sleeping harder than I have for the whole month of October. (laughs) I said on our last episode that I was exhausted from all the company and I would probably be sleeping the whole month. And that's already what it feels like. Rudy and I are kicking it. We are in a cute little studio. And unfortunately it was yesterday was kind of my first full day here. And it was pouring there. We're sort of in the middle of like a tropical cyclone. (laughs) Yes, we are. So I couldn't explore, but I'm going to go explore a little bit after this episode today. So love it. Love this new city. And my second update for this week is that my business is doing really well and I'm really proud of that. Wow. Yeah. I, I am just so honored to be coaching the clients that I have right now. I feel like I'm calling in these soul clients that I'm just having a beautiful connection with. Our container is sacred and special and I feel really excited. And as a couple are coming to a close, I'm opening up one more spot for this month for a sacred eight month, eight week container with me. So if you're interested, healwithcamille.com slash offerings, you can apply for my coaching. We'll have a little discovery call and see if we're the perfect fit for each other. So I can keep this going. Whoa. Yeah. That is so exciting. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so proud of you too, Camille. It's been such an honor and so exciting for me to watch you go from quitting engineering, weren't even thinking about being a coach. You were going to do real estate investing, had your experience with Bufo, went into a full healing experience, are now going through a D and holy shit, your life is so different now (laughs) a year ago. My life is so different and life is really fun. It's really fun. I love life. (laughs) it's so exciting we're actually talking about that today when we talk about the seasons in life and how it's important even when we're going through a shitbox season which is my new favorite word for everything just a shitbox when we're going through a shitbox season it's so important to remember that we're just in a season it's not going to stay like that forever we can't take it so damn seriously Mm. anyway I love that well give us your weekly update and then we'll get into that I don't know. My week has been really great. It feels like a lot of relaxing. I was coming off of that super social weekend or the most social month of my life, I think. And I posted a video or just a photo on my story of Shane took a picture of me when I was asleep. My legs are up on the wall. Molly's next to me. And my story views, like over 4,000 people saw that photo and just, I don't know what it was, but it was really weird. So I'm like, okay, cool. People are interested in me being exhausted. <laughs> like it's just so weird with the, um, but if you saw that photo, if you were one of those people, then you could see that I have been also just really relaxing. I, we talked about it on last um, episode two, on the last episode, which was, yeah. 
yeah, on our last episode, we talked yeah. about just how uh, when there's so much happening around me socially, I am not good at maintaining my practices, my work, like everything just completely yeah. falls by the wayside and I'm just in life. And so it feels really good to have some element of like routine back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. I meditated this morning. I haven't been drinking as much cacao. Although so I you're working to. on your addiction. I work on my addiction. I want to every day though. I think about it the second I wake up. Yeah, of course. So anyway. Okay. So let's get into our first topic. <laughs> We are talking about the seasons of life. You know what? I need to address something. There's an elephant in the room and the elephant is my eardrum. Is this piece of hair? <laughs> yes, but it's also my eardrum. Oh, tell I, us about it, Lauren. Well, I actually have two week updates that I did not tell the fans. I did not tell our wolf pack. What? The first is that... I had an ear injury when we were free diving with my dad. There were a lot of different theories about what it could have been. When you get it, when you go free diving, you can have an eardrum problem. You can get an ear infection. You can do some pain, right? Well, I had an experience where I did not have that. I was just going down. I couldn't clear. And it just felt like my ear hit a wall. After that, it was like a huge... I could pop my ears still, but there was just, it felt like a big giant problem. Mm. Basically what I received when I was free diving was something called a, you guessed it, a hood squeeze. I was wearing a hood when I was free diving in my super sexy, cool suit and air got stuck between my suit and my eardrum, which when I went down and the pressure squeezed the air, it pulled my eardrum out a little bit. I know. Oh. Uh, isn't that gross? <laughs> and so it didn't, it didn't get punctured because it doesn't hurt, but my eardrum suffered some serious damage and I cannot hear really out of my left ear. I can't really hear myself. I can't really hear others. It's so weird. And it's been this way now for almost two weeks. I have two things. Number one, I'm so sorry about your ear pain because if anybody's listened to this before, I have ear problems. Yes. Camille Just has people every for my life. Yes. Number two, how does it feel to be an extreme athlete who gets <laughs> an injury? <laughs> who gets, who receives an injury, not from the water, but their own sport and their own depth? Yes. What does that feel like? <laughs> I received my first freediving injury. Yeah. And- I have to say that it feels good to be on this side of it. I'm happy to say that I've yeah. done. So you have now experienced an injury. So I feel like that makes you just that much more of a diver. You know, people are like, oh, I love the sport. And you're like, me too, except this one time I was injured. I was injured it's by a hood squeeze. The shark bite. If you imagine a surfer who's been bitten by a shark. <laughs> yeah. They just have sweet friends, you know? Like I am now a free diver who has experienced a hood squeeze. <laughs> and they're, you know, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but, <laughs> but this it, is something. 
yeah it's it's hard it is hard to carry Dude, this is that is just so funny <laughs> yeah so hood squeeze the second thing is is I was sitting at lunch with our aunt who was visiting Tulum mm. and I was attacked by three rogue devil flies again tamarindos I <laughs> Tabanos. I was bit by three more Tabanos almost at exactly the same time. I didn't even see them bite me. Two on the foot, one on, yes, the weenus. I you guessed it. <laughs> on the second, on the other side of my weenus. So my arm blew up like a blimp for the past four days. My foot was so swollen. It looked like just only in my foot, I gained a hundred pounds and I'm recovering from that as well. So it's been, it's been a week with my body. Dude, you have just received injury after injury. <laughs> Jungle wants me to leave, but I'm being resilient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm proud of myself. So oh my God, I'm so proud of you too. So anyway, that's my actual week update. Thank you very much. And my God. We can go into the seasons of life. What do you think? Now we return to the first topic of the day. Yes. Thank you for sharing with us your injuries. You're welcome. The seasons of life, man. Son de vida. I wrote a blog about this quite a while ago. It was almost a year ago, I think, that I wrote about the the phases of our life and an analogy between that and the phases of the sun and the moon. Hmm. I will link it. Mine was more in reference to just observing your life as if it's the phases of the sun and the moon. Like we expect the change. We expect the change in the sun's direction and in the phases of the moon. We're never expecting more from the sun or the moon. And yet when we start going through change in our life, it becomes this like experience of extreme discomfort and fighting our way out of the change instead of relaxing into the new phase. Wow. I really like that. Thank you. I want to sit with it for a second. And I think our audience should too. <laughs> that was really special. Thank you. Yeah, we expect change from the, the moon. We don't ever look at it and say, why are you full today? But you won't be full tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like so weird. Yeah. Or during the winter, we're never like, you know, well, fuck. It's the stupid sun is less time in the sky today. You know, it's just like, yeah, Actually, winter. You know what? I feel like particularly with winter, people do expect a lot from winter. They do. <laughs> people do not like it when it's dark for the whole entire time. They will fight it. They'll find a reason to be miserable. We even have clinical seasonal affective disorder where people don't have enough sunshine. Yeah, that's actually true. So I take it away with the sun, but the moon remains moon. the same. <laughs> right. People complain a shitload about the sun, but they don't complain that much about the moon. No, they don't. We're like, you know, with the sun, we expect a lot from it. It's like, oh, it's too hot. It's too cold. Where's the sun? You know, it's like kind of mean. Why isn't it a longer day today? Yeah. Why is it so dark? Oh, so I guess the sun would be more in reference to the body. The masculine. The doer. Yeah. 
The doer. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about why you wanted to talk about this subject today, Ceci. Well, yeah, I wanted to talk about this because first of all, for most of the, probably for most of our listeners are in the U.S. and it's now fall time. And so they are experiencing maybe some leaf changes, pumpkins are out, cider is brewing, people are feeling good and cozy and ready to do it for the winter. Yeah. Wait, does that happen in other, of course it happens in other parts of the country, but I mean, I wonder if the obsession with like changing into the fall and winter is the same in other parts of the country or the world. I don't know. I just know that if the U.S. has a chance to commercialize it, it will. And so it's probably more extreme there than anywhere else. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Even decorating for Christmas, having the most chic designs, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I feel like nobody does it like the U.S. No one does it. Like capitalist U.S. No, I don't see that happening. But I do think it's special in other places. Jeez, I mean... Jesus Cristo was only born once around the whole world. <laughs> it's his so, birthday. It's his birthday. Feliz cumpleaños. Yeah, feliz cumpleaños, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, holy <laughs> shit. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, I'm sure it's exciting. <laughs> but I don't think anybody does it quite like the U.S. Mm. As far as, you know, making- Like getting rowdy for day. fall. Yes, totally. Spooky yeah. season and having, I mean, I've never seen something like it before. Yeah. So- What I'm saying is we're going into that time and I always love fall as an opportunity to learn lessons from nature and Mm. it feels like I just hear this not only from other people, but from myself, from my clients a lot where it's like, oh, well, I used to feel like this and now I'm going through this or this was happening and I I just want to get back to that or I'm doing this instead of allowing ourselves to evolve and allowing times to just be hard sometimes when they're hard, we try Mm. to get out of them as fast as we can. And so I wanted to talk about allowing life and even days and even moments to be in seasons. A breakup or a heartbreak is a season of your life, or it's a chapter of your life, or it's a scene in a movie. You catch Mm -hmm. my drift? Like we can think about this in different analogies so that our life doesn't become so fucking serious. When we think that things are supposed to stay the same, or we want them to change so badly while they're currently happening, we are taking ourselves and life way too seriously. Yeah. And we're fighting. We're just creating suffering for ourselves. Yes. So we always come back to this point because it's really the only point that matters. And that is when we don't allow things to naturally occur, when we don't allow life to have an element of surrender and ease, even through the difficult parts, we are resisting the present moment. And Mm. I'm not suggesting, you know, I always, my mind always goes to like, well, what if somebody's in an abusive relationship or what if somebody's been harmed Mm. or what if, you know, whatever. I'm not saying that when you're being, you know, Shane says this, he's like, when we talk about presence and being with the moment, we still are animals. If somebody is punching you in the face, you don't sit there and say, okay, this is great. This is the moment (laughs) being punched. 
this is my moment. And like Lauren and Camille said to just be with it and accept it and see that it's perfect. No, react in a way that you need to react, react, run, you know, scream, whatever it is, fawn or faint, or I I don't know what it's going to be for you, but you can still react to stimulus that is too much. Yeah. What I'm saying is that when given the chance to come back into presence, when given the chance to focus on the internal experience and that versus what's happening externally around you, that's the return home is coming mm-hmm. back into center and being with the processing of that. And so by no means am I saying stay where you are and just experience this phenomena. I'm saying, can you be with the evolution of life and allow yourself to not take it so seriously? Yeah, that's really good. I wish I had a notepad because I was like, as you were talking, thinking of these things I wanted to say. So I I know two of them that I wanted to say. Elaborate on Number one with what you were just saying there is a difference there our core self like our nature is being courageous making change being confident being present doesn't mean you're just null and void to the experience that you're having it Mm -hmm. means that you notice so deeply when you are present that when something is disrupting that you are able to make a change and make it fast. Mm. You don't have to sit with pain. You don't have to sit with someone disrespecting you. You don't sit in an abusive relationship or one that isn't serving you. You recognize that those experiences are pulling you out of that presence within your body and in your mind. So how can you adjust? becoming present almost allows you to make changes in life and accept the seasons more easily. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it means. Another thing I wanted to say is that this experience of ebbing and flowing through change was really hard for me because I really, I was really saddened by getting old. My whole life, it felt like I wanted to reject that. Not my whole, it's not like I was on a daily, like, oh, I'm rejecting feeling old. But when I thought about getting older and changing, it made me sad. Something that's really helped me in that realm is really honoring the person that I was in all those phases of my life and noticing that that person is still inside of me. It might not be how I'm acting now, how I'm going about life, how I present myself, but that part of you is still inside of you. She's just older now and she's just growing into a new place. So I take a lot of time doing that. And I also help my clients do that is honoring what you once were so that you can be present in who you are today. Mm -hmm. Journaling about it, thinking about past memories, being present doesn't mean you're not allowed to remember who you once were or the experiences you had. It's thinking about those places of darkness or sadness or extreme joy and laughing and memories and being present with those memories. Like that's what it's felt like to me. So I had this massive change in my life over the last year where I thought that I would never be that like fun, lively, energetic 
Cami again. And I felt like I was really identified with that sort of party self. And over the last sort of year and a half, I transitioned into being like really loving my alone time, not liking to go out and drink. And at first I was like, oh no, when am I going to be that person again? That's so sad. And then now that I've arrived in this new person, it's like, this isn't sad at all. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still enjoying life so much, if not more. And I honor the person that that was that part party self, the crazy staying up, dancing till 4am. Like she had so much fun. She had so much fun. I love her. And now I can be this. Now I can be who I am in this moment and still be really happy. Mm. That is really nice. I'm just thinking about if I've honored my younger selves enough, you know, mm. like, cause I, I think about them and in a similar way that you talked about last episode, we were talking about heartbreak and how it's like, okay, to both feel sad and then also relieved mm-hmm. and all of these things. It's like, when I look back at myself, and I think a lot of people do this when you're going through a healing journey is that you can see things in a really negative light. Like yes. see a lot of the ways, like even for you, you know, the party phase, you could be like, okay, whoa, like I was binge drinking. And like, that was a lot. And I had pain that I didn't know was there kind of, you know, like you could see it from that perspective and that's okay to mourn that as well. And to celebrate and have compassion for and forgive her for what she did to her body and really like relish in the youth of that. And I think about that for me, you know, mainly more sexually is that I was so promiscuous during a particular time, or I don't know if it was considered promiscuous. I don't know a good word. I was just really exploring. And when I came into my relationship with Shane, I was like, oh my God, I'm wanting to be monogamous. And what does that mean for me? Like I was so wild, you know, and like, yeah, enjoying myself and trying these different things. So I went through that mourning phase where I was kind of like, whoa, is that even what I wanted? Was I kind of exploiting my body? Was I choosing people that didn't serve me and letting them like be in my sacred space? I kind of did that. But I'm wondering, I kind of want to do some work with what you just said around celebrating her too, because she was also having a really good time. Yeah, I really encourage that. And for all the listeners too, like a part of my coaching and a part of like my experience through my own healing journey is that sometimes it actually makes me mad how people can turn every single thing in their life into like this lesson that they have to heal from. Right. And I understand the relevance in like picking out things that, okay, yeah, that wasn't feeling really good. Now I have the language and verbiage for that, but it's not like when I was in college partying, going crazy, I was thinking, oh my God, I'm really binge drinking a lot. This isn't energetically serving my body. No, I was like, yeah. <laughs> party like have so much fun like yeah she was just wild and crazy like was she a little bit more reckless yeah was she like you know not understanding the implications that drinking like that has on the body of course but I was also having a freaking blast and yeah this 
I'm not talking about experiences that are actually traumatic. But what I'm saying is we don't have to think of every experience as trauma. Like sometimes that's just exactly what you were doing in the moment. You weren't this person experiencing that. If I was experiencing those things now, I'd be like, holy crap. Right. I'm drinking a shitload. Yeah. This isn't feeling really good. Or like, I'm going after guys that really aren't liking me. But in that moment, I didn't. I didn't understand it from this perspective. And it's not like she was suffering like crazy. Right. She was just being, you know, she She was just just being in that moment. And she was young. That's, I want to touch on that today is like, we have to give ourselves the permission of youth. We have to give ourselves the permission to have lived in a young body. And when that comes to like our inner children and our teenagers and all of those times, I feel like we hold so much serious energy toward that when we go on this healing journey, you know, and I do quote air quotations because there is a part of it where it's like, is it really a healing journey or were you just young? And you have to just see that that was you in youth. And of course, honor her, love her, tell her that you're sorry if you neglected her or if you harmed her, of course, so that you can heal that relationship within yourself. And also, can you find air and lightness and exuberance about you didn't know any better at that time? Yes. Didn't have like a ton of guidance or your friends were all doing it or you, you know, for all the reasons you were a depressed teenager and you needed to shoot up. I don't know. Can you forgive yourself? Yes. It, it, having compassion for that younger self. I love that really honoring youth without having to think that like everything you were doing was because of a shadow. Right. It's like, no, I just was drinking because that was the norm. And I was having fun in college yeah. free for the first time. I mean, every single thing does not have to be part of your healing. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. I feel like we can just come back to understanding like a healing, what a healing journey can be is healing from the things that are actually having an impact on you, mm-hmm. you know, honoring anything that comes up in your body honoring the darkness and the light and those experiences. And also the whole point is coming into presence today. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to keep picking at little, Oh, maybe that was, uh, some shadow work. It's like, okay. But when do you get to come into presence? Like, when do you get to start just enjoying the moment for what it is and just thinking of certain things as memories? Yes. Yeah. So once again, we show up to here and now. Yes. And that is when we're saying not to take everything so seriously. I I do watch people, and this is not a judgment. I'm I'm sure that I did it at some point too, but you start to kind of uncover these things and then you want to prescribe everybody else in your life. You want to tell other people what you see in them. I've done this like not that long ago, right? Like I confronted someone and was like, this is what I see. And because I've done this work, you know, I can see it in you in these certain ways. And it can be too serious. 
it's too serious. You're pretending like you're too important. And so taking yes. a step back and just being like, oh, okay, this doesn't have to be that serious. Healing can be fun. I can see those patterns that were in me when I was young, but I don't have to get stuck in the language of I act this way because of that. I do this because of that. I hold on here because of that. I have anxious attachment because of this. I have this because of this. I have this because of this. And instead, just what about how you are today? Yeah. Like, how are you doing? Aside from all the, you know, those textbook things of you're, you have anxiety. So you're this, it's like, well, are you having anxiety every day or were you in a phase of having a lot of anxiety because of your situation? And now you're feeling okay. Like this is all coming back to honoring those seasons. Like we can talk about changes now, but also honoring that those past experiences were also just seasons in the, in your life. Mm-hmm. It was just a season. I do want to touch on one more thing for seasons, just because this is something that I recently talked to a friend about. We are really used. We were talking about in a healing journey, calling out all the bad stuff, but in our, in like societal standard, I think we're more used to people saying like, you need to be happy all the time. Like that's what we want is just to feel super happy. The faster we can recognize that happiness is not what you are. Happiness is something happening to you. Mm. The faster we can recognize that sadness is also something that's happening to you. Mm. You're not born with any of those. You don't even know what that means to be sad or happy. Things are just happening in your body. So just like happiness sometimes feels really exciting and then fades away, the same thing is going to happen with the sadness. Mm. But the more we push it away, the more it comes stronger. And it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to keep knocking you down. So the changes of life and, you know, these phases is also just honoring where you are in this moment and recognizing that emotion is temporary emotion is temporary thoughts are what perpetrates those things it can happen in conjunction so if we're like I'm so sad I'm never not going to be sad again I feel like I'm just a really sad person and well when you're happy you're not thinking I'm just such a happy person when is this going to be gone and will I ever be this happy again you're just like woohoo! I'm just feeling happy so just feel sad feel sad and let it flow through you knowing that you're going to come back to an equilibrium. You're not going to just be that forever. Mm -hmm. Will you elaborate more on that happiness and sadness are not you, they're happening to you? Can Mm -hmm. you give like an example of that? Yes, I can. If we can think about a memory, if we think about a thought, and this is sort of wrapped into work I do with something I love my own spin on sort of this therapeutic technique called internal family systems. If we have a thought of, oh my God, I'm so fat. I hate myself. Mm-hmm. That is something happening in a, inside of your mind. If you can zoom out 
and talk to or acknowledge that that is just a thought, your core essence is the thing that's acknowledging that. Hi, thought. Hi, I am fat. Why are you here? Why are you presenting yourself today? Maybe it was something somebody said to you. Maybe it was a way you looked in the mirror and hated that you had a little roll on your stomach. But you are not the thought of, I hate myself, I am fat. You are the one that can zoom out and have a conversation with those different parts of your mind because of experience. Mm -hmm. The same thing that we can have, we can be the one looking at a feeling we are getting from an experience, recognizing that we are not that feeling. Mm -hmm. So I just got a raise. Oh my God. I, I feel so excited about that. That is just a rush of endorphins or energy that's happening, but not necessarily you at your core. Mm. Is this making sense? You're doing great. Okay. Yeah. So, um, it's, you can almost think about it. I, I think it's a little bit easier because we're so used to wanting to cling on to happy. I think it's a little bit easier to think about it in the sad realm because when we feel heartbreak, it's very apparent mm-hmm. when we're feeling pain, when you feel like, Oh, like crushed, like, ow, oh my God, that feeling inside of you, the, the feeling that's happening to your body it can be really easy once we're out of that to think, whoa, that that was a really painful moment. That was a really tough chapter of my life. But that chapter is behind you. That chapter is no longer happening to you. So there's no way that sad or happy is at your core essence if we can flow through them. Right. Does that make sense? It's who is the character Who is the little light behind all of the things that's flowing in? What is that? Mm -hmm. Well, that's you. That's Mm -hmm. the person that that's the thing that's experiencing all of the up and down. So it's not the happy or the sad. It's what's behind all of that. Right. That was a really great explanation. Thank you. I felt like I would lose my train of thought and then kind of go into it, but it's discovering in IFS, it's what they call the self, the capital S, which Mm -hmm. has qualities as well. Really compassionate, courageous, really creative, calm, a calm mind. Mm -hmm. That capital S self is the one who's watching you go through life. So when we can zoom out and sort of talk to the feelings, talk to the thoughts, the ones that's doing that is the core essence. Right. Yeah. And I, a lot of my coaching is helping people find that core essence. And that can be really tough to find for people with a lot of trauma, a lot of identity, Mm. a lot of um, attachment to outcome, a lot of suffering. It can be hard to do that. And anyone can reconnect with that part, the actual self, if you're willing to take the time to do the work and get to understand the connection between mind and body and removing yourself from both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the way you described it. It's a difficult topic to chew on if it's somebody's first time. And 
it really is the essence of freedom as well within ourselves. The way that I like to think about that and just like a spacious mind or the self is kind of the concept of when a home is built, if you were to say to somebody, what is the essence of the home? They can't point to, okay, it's the roof. It's the walls. It's the floor. It's, it's the bedroom. The essence of a home is the space inside of the home. It's the feeling inside of the room. It's when you're in there and it smells a certain way. It's what the house contains, that space that you can't really see, you can't really put your finger on it, but you know it's there. That space is yes. the self. It's like that in that space, people come in and out, they're talking, that's where conversations are had, that's where you have a fight, that's where you make love, that's, it's in the space there, and that's what makes the home. Mm. We can, if we think of the mind as space, and thoughts are happening, people are saying things, we're witnessing stuff with our eyes, we're hearing things with our ears, we're smelling things, but we're not the smell that we're smelling. We're not the hearing. We're not what we're hearing. We're not what we're seeing. We're observing. We're, oh, okay. Wow. It's that observer that's seeing and hearing and experiencing that's the self the, in, in its purest form. Yes. The observer. It's the observer. And when we can become the more often we can become the observer or the more often we remember that the observer exists and we can take a step back like Camille said and really look look at ourselves look at the thoughts that is the essence of meditation it's the essence of calm it's the essence of purity it's the essence of being like the true essence of being mm-hmm yeah, that was such a good way to put it. And I love that analogy so much. Wrapping space in a room into a moment with space in the mind, the way you can think about it is I'm talking right now. And then when I pause, there's this space in between every single word. Who's that? Who is that that's talking to you? When you're sitting on your couch in silence and you have a lot of thoughts, but then in between there are little moments of pause. Well, where's that? All of a sudden it's not like, oh, I'm just non-existent now that I'm not having a thought or having a saying a couple words. The space is actually the essence of you. Mm. The space is you. So in meditation, and that is the purpose of meditation is finding the space and allowing the space to increase over and over and over until all of a sudden you can exist in that calm, empty space, moving about your day that is being present. So that's when people tell me, Oh, I can't meditate. My mind is too crazy. I'm like, well, that is actually the entire point of meditation is to understand that your mind is so crazy. Right understand that it's crazy and how can you find the space and try to increase that space over time mm. it's not like a monk all of a sudden is just born and just the mind is just crazy you train the mind mm -hmm. yep just like yeah. you body just like you train anything it's like yes 
you train the mind. Yeah. And in the training of the mind, that's how we come into the presence that Camille and I talk about all the time. That's where we find it. We find it in the dedication. We find it in the practice. This isn't something that you can just be listening to our podcast right now and be like, okay, I'm just going to do that right now. It's like, it takes a minute of dedication. And in my opinion, learning this is really the only thing that matters in this lifetime is like, because when you learn this skill and you dedicate yourself to this skill, it means that you show up more passionately to every season of your life. You show up more passionately in love. You show up more passionately in friendship, in work, in purpose with your dogs. When you're on a walk, you can all of a sudden just be on the walk with mm -hmm. your dog, picking up their poop, saying hi to your neighbor, whatever it is, you're there instead of being in a million different places in your head. It can be a little frustrating sometimes. And that is part of the process too, is recognizing for me has been a big piece of this for me is I was going through a lot of changes in the past year, like talk about wild amount of change and yeah. I would find moments where my meditation would seem so calm. And then other days, my mind would still be racing like crazy. And having compassion for myself and remembering all of your progress is not gone because you're having a hard day. Like you still get to dedicate yourself to being present. Shit, I had a couple bad days. Like I had, I just man, I am like really present today and noticing how distracted and stupid I felt the past week, you know, like really pulling myself away from my body and living in a space where I was having a million thoughts every day and coming back to that over and over and just reminding yourself when you're going through a huge change is also where you can see that you need more practice. Mm -hmm. it, so a lot of times when we get busy and things in our life are shifting and changing, we're like, well, I don't need my practices right now. That's the thing I'm going to put on the back burner. And it's like, no, that's what you need the most right now. <laughs> you know, that's where you get to see, man, my mind is really crazy right now. And it was feeling calm. What's shifted? What's changed? How can I keep dedicating myself to make sure that I can find the stillness in space, even in these hectic moments. Mm. Yeah. Something was just coming up for me. I love that so much. And also I feel like it's important to talk about how on that path, on that journey of finding presence, the times that are really hard or the times that it feels like it would be impossible to become present are still perfect. It's yeah. like still part of it. It's still, it's still part of it. Yeah. Still part of what it means to be alive and a conscious being is that when you're in the shit, noticing that you're in the shit, like just noticing is so crucial. It's so crucial. Yeah. Like, I mean, here I am. I'm exhausted and I'm just going to be exhausted. 
And that's part of it. That being present with exhaustion is as important as being present when you're in meditation retreat for 10 days. Mm. Yeah, because ultimately we're still experiencing life through the vessel. You're still experiencing it through the body. We're not just because you decide to become present all of a sudden doesn't mean that all the human conditions and all the societal bullshit just goes away. Right. I mean, think about what just happened to me. I dedicated myself and my energy to becoming more present and really discovering what awakening was. And then I'm still going through a shit box of a divorce. Fucking madness. Yeah. And I mean, I have had moments where I'm literally just laughing. Yes. There is no way, there is no fucking way this is happening to me. <laughs> no, it is. And this is just exactly how it's supposed to be. How present can I be for this? How much shit can I withstand? Yeah, and just be <laughs> and present. still dedicate to being present. It's wild. It doesn't excuse you or it doesn't remove you from the human experience. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of times that's what I originally thought when I heard about Buddhism or meditation or any of this kind of stuff is I was like, okay, but then you're like not really experiencing life. Like if everything is to just let go of attachment, like I always thought it was just like to live a life without emotion. And that's not all what it is. It's feeling your emotions even more passionately because you're there for them. It's not being masked by what is that person going to think if I start crying right now? It's just crying right now. If that feels good, you know? Yes. Got it like this. The, the times that trigger me the most out of presence are during like um, bureaucratic moments. Like if I'm at the DMV or I'm processing the sale of my house. And I don't mean processing in my body, but like going through the motions of closing on a home or buying a house. Yeah. It's those moments for me, re- registering my car when I have to take it into the shop first to get a smog check. And they didn't tell me that till I was at the DMV. Like when you're kind of getting the human run around and it's just like, it's like, it feels like the only thing that's important in that moment is for you to accomplish that task. Yeah. If you can just, for example, today when we were recording and the the recording was going wrong and it's just like, oh, this is so annoying. So like, fucking stupid. <laughs> fucking stupid. Can you be present there? Because, and can you laugh at yourself there? Like, it's not that fucking important. Even if you don't get your car registered and all of a sudden, I don't know, you get a ticket for, you know, for some people it might be pretty important, but I just mean that it's not the most important thing. I want to finish this segment with something that really impacted me this week. And that is that our friend Julian is in town and he does a lot of drone photography. Mm -hmm. And we were all having a really good time at this lagoon here in Tulum. And, you know, you're just kind of existing. Like we're just existing. We were dancing on this little dock. We had a couple drinks. We were just having the best time. And he was like, took a video of us from right where we are dancing and having fun. And then it zooms out and you're watching the video for like five seconds and you can't see yourself anymore. The drone is in the sky and now you're just part of the landscape. And it's one of those 
interesting feelings of like, wow, that was really artistic. And also I'm so small. What I'm experiencing in my body feels like the most in magnificent. It feels so important. The ego is so inflated, just saying like, this couldn't be more important. Like you need to do this to survive. And we zoom all the way out. And I, you, I don't look like anything. I'm zero. The, the dock is barely anything that we're standing on. So it's in those moments when we can say like, okay, if I have this one life, this one little existence to try my best at, what do I want to be dedicating my time to? What do I want to be really enamored by? Is it celebrity Mm. gossip or is it my own mind? Is it my stupid fucking boyfriend that is holding me way back or is it expanding my heart through love and facing why do I want to be with this person although they're not treating me well you know it's Mm. like what do I want to be spending my time with and yes I just feel like that's an important thing to think about is when we zoom all the way out where can you take your life a little bit less seriously and where can you ramp it up because you have this one tiny thing and it's so precious I am so glad you brought that up. I love thinking about life that way. And the first time I think that happened to me, I was on an airplane and I was of conscious age. I think I was dating my college boyfriend at the time. And I like, you know, 20 years old, maybe like flew up in the air. Mm -hmm. And I was watching the little guys who were doing the plane, you know, like showing it which way it goes. And then all of a sudden in like five seconds, they were just gone. And I was like, oh my God, I am so small. (laughs) Yeah. And I just had this kind of jaw dropping experience of, oh, the, the drama that I care about right now is so insignificant, but it feels like my entire world. Totally. And the beauty of it is you can do this at any point. You don't need to be in a plane. You don't need to see drone footage. You can literally just imagine a zoomed out version of your life as if you're watching it on a movie screen. Yes. And really think, is this important? Am I doing the most? Am I enjoying my time here? Like in the scale of a movie, put your life in a movie. Where are you? Are you a quarter way through? Are you halfway through? Are you happy with how your movie's going? Or are you ready to make some pretty big freaking changes take leaps do the most like you literally have you can do whatever you want in this life (laughs) yeah and it's short and it's tiny (laughs) it's so small it is so tiny (laughs) do you know how tiny it is (laughs) imagine one single hair on your head it's that tiny. (laughs) it's so small yeah so tiny Okay, so we said that we want to talk about processing emotion through masturbation today too. And that, it's really interesting because when we talk about presence and we talk about the body, one of the most incredible ways to be in touch with ourselves is through pleasure, really. It's what I'm so fascinated by. And I think it's so beautiful. And It's been one of the major ways that I've been able to understand the intensity of my own emotions and that kind of like wild nature of being a woman is through 
masturbation ritual and orgasm, like orgasm and processing emotions through orgasm. Mm. And so I wanted to talk about it today that in French, when you at the peak of orgasm, it's called les petites mort, which means a mini death, a tiny death, tiny death. Yes. Because when you're having an orgasm, if everybody can just think about it for a second, when you have an orgasm, if you've had an orgasm before, why is that a moment that feels so good for us? And obviously there are a lot of physiological things going on, you know, like our body is releasing different chemicals and different hormones and we're feeling connected to our partner perhaps, but at the actual moment of orgasm, you are in stillness and presence, and that's the only thing you're experiencing. Typically, when you're having an orgasm, you're really there for it. it, it yeah. Really with it. Maybe you were working up to it and you weren't as present, but when you're actually experiencing the orgasm, it's for a second, a moment of very intense presence with your body. And when we imagine it like that, it makes sense that at that time or in the process of orgasm, there's a really incredible opportunity to be so with your body, so present and to allow whatever needs to come through to come through. Mm. So when we talked, we had, maybe it was like in episode 28. Remember when I shared with the wolf pack about uh, an orgasm that I had had that day? Yes. Where it was kind of a really beautiful moment of awakening. I Yeah. Very brief, but beautiful. And I wanted to elaborate a little bit about that today and how you can start exploring with your body, how <gasps> we're exploring yeah. with your bodies, because there is nothing more important in my opinion. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. Yeah. Drop some knowledge on us. <laughs> okay. So, um, when you are going to masturbate, I highly recommend that you make this more of a ritualistic experience. So turning off porn, if that's something that you watch, and this can take some time to work up to it. I'm not saying that you're all of a sudden just going to be processing emotion the second that you masturbate like this for the first time, but mm -hmm. it's important for you to gain a relationship and to really water a relationship with your body. And what I mean by that is imagining your body like a garden, imagining your pussy like a garden, and you have to water, you plant the seeds, you water that garden before it can be such a beautiful experience that's regenerative and giving back fruits and vegetables. It's, you know, the fruits of your labor. And so this is the same thing as the fruits of your labor are going to be obvious in how you're able to process things. Mm. And so turning off porn is really important for this experience to come through. Yeah. Allowing like opening space for yourself to have a nice experience by setting your environment up properly. And that can properly can be whatever feels good for you. But for me, it's always typically either dim light or sunlight. It can be sunlight on my actual pussy. If you watched my Netflix bling empire thing, I love pussy to the sun, perennium sunning, pussy yeah. sunning feels so good. So if you have the opportunity to do this outside, even better. And 
just gaining a relationship with your body over time. So holding yourself, really starting to just notice when you're masturbating and when you're going into this more like sacred sexuality space, starting to just notice the intricacies of what's happening with your body. How do your sheets feel on you? How does it feel if you're naked versus wearing lingerie? But noticing little things, do you prefer to have oils, incense, do certain incense not make you feel sexy? Just noticing what's happening with your body and allowing for things to start coming through. So I recommend that this is with any, it can actually be with any toy or with your hands, but preferably with a toy that isn't so powerful that you're just immediately going to orgasm, you know, Oftentimes, if I use a wand or something, geez, it might take. It's like <laughs> I just like touch it, and I my I I'm like starfishing because it's so intense. So um, that's just my body though. But if you can use a wand and it can take you like 10, 15, 20 minutes to work up to orgasm, um, good for you. That's just not the case for me. So having some time between when you begin masturbating and orgasm seems to be important during this mm. kind of an experience because you want to be in touch with the essence of your body. So mm. common emotions that come up in this kind of a thing can be frustration that you can process. If you're feeling frustrated, like you're not orgasming fast enough or you're not, I want to make a distinction here that it doesn't have to be that you're processing something about the masturbation. It's like, you can feel frustrated that you're not orgasming fast enough and that's a separate thing, but you can just notice while your body is in a heightened state of arousal and pleasure, where you're tight, where you're frustrated. So you might have something that's been on your heart that you can explore while you're feeling pleasure. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking feeling frustrated about orgasm. I'm talking about processing anger that you might have that's stuck in your body processing joy like I've had full-blown laugh attacks before like actually hysterically laughing about how funny life is how funny it is that here I am this little person rubbing my clitoris and working my <laughs> to orgasm like it's hysterical it's like yeah. funny and sensual and whatever but also moments of incredible bliss incredible rage like where I've just felt so frustrated like so like ah life is just frustrating me right now but being able to process that while I'm orgasming yes yes okay yes this is all so fabulous I wanted to put in a couple things okay number one is yes this happens to me I can really tell what is on my mind and what is plaguing me when I have, when I am masturbating. And sometimes I will literally pause. Like I have this one toy that I really like to use. I'm trying to break away from it, but just when it feels right, whatever. I will sometimes pause the entire experience and kind of just lay in my bed and like talk to my thoughts for a minute and be like, 
wow, okay, you're having a lot of thought around this. Is it okay if I come back and focus on pleasure and come back to you later and like literally tell my mind that I'm ready to experience pleasure and I I will come back and have a conversation with you. Also, I don't want people to think that it's not okay to masturbate with toys and you, I'm glad that you mentioned like toy or not toy. It's great to have a hand connection. And I've felt the difference in making having skin on skin pleasure something I recommend you kind of said that with the toy kind of one that takes a little bit longer yes and incorporating your other hand to be really feeling and connecting to your body Mm -hmm. that was something that I started incorporating a little while ago mostly through my healing journey was really like reconnecting to my body and seeing what felt good with my other hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one hand is their focus on pleasure, but where does it feel good when I'm placing other pressure or like pinching or grabbing or just making sure to connect with that other hand? My other thing was I have actually just been more conscious and of exploring pleasure even outside of the masturbation. Like you were saying with having, what do your clothes feel like? Your sheets. Like sometimes I will just be sitting on the couch and be like, are these underwear feeling good? And then kind of touching it over my clothes, like touching my pussy and being like, oh, I'm actually feeling a little bit of pleasure. Separating pleasure from only needing to have an orgasm if that makes sense. Yeah. And it has actually made my orgasm so much stronger because I feel like I am recognizing the pleasure of life more as I go throughout my day. Right. So that's a good way to start. I think a lot of time there's like a lot of pressure on the actual orgasm. And I know you've mentioned this before, but like, where can you find pleasure without even being at the peak of your pleasure? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just seeing, seeing even what your reaction right now is to pleasure, because a lot of times when we say the word pleasure, it's like, do you feel worthy of pleasure? Do you feel like you have enough time for pleasure? Do you, Mm. what is your reaction to pleasure? Because you can process that with pleasure. So it's like just opening your relationship up to what does feeling good trigger in me? What does feeling good trigger in me? Because so many have such big blocks with that. And there really is no more beautiful or human way to become in touch with presence than through sex. Like Mm -hmm. there's no, it's no mistake that almost every, I mean, I would probably say every contemplative tradition focused on awakening in the self has elements of sexual discovery. Yeah, it does. And I think that this is like you said, processing, you know, some hurt around pleasure. I think that more than likely, specifically a lot of women have a lot of shame around pleasure. So really diving into that too, not only from a societal perspective, but a lot of relationship trauma, thinking of even about like learning about sex, we were never taught about how good it's supposed to feel or that we have the most nerve endings of literally any living organ, organism in our pussy. Like we're never taught that. 
So I think really diving into that too is really important because we are typically either told we're either rejected. I think a lot of us have been rejected um, and felt ashamed for that. Or um, when we are really open about our sexuality, oh, all of a sudden you're a whore. You Mm -hmm. don't, why are you want, you know, why are you wanting that? When in reality, it can just feel so, so good. Right. Um, So kind of just coming back to recognizing what the actual meaning of pleasure is Mm -hmm. instead of having an identity to go along with it. Right. Yeah. And the practice of processing emotion through orgasm is not a novice practice. If you don't have a masturbation practice at all right now, start there and then just see if by me planting this seed, that's something that interests you. Because I just want you to know that it's available. It's available to have really primal experiences with your body. And those things can look very atypical. Like processing rage through orgasm does not look like anything that you've seen in porn. I can guarantee that. It's very (laughs) psychedelic. (laughs) Yes. And if you are in the phase, we can be in different, you know, phases of life. But if you're thinking, I don't even, I hate my body and I don't even masturbate, start there. Start with building your confidence, start with looking at yourself in the mirror, start with doing a dance for yourself. It doesn't have to be immediately centered on if you can reach orgasm through your pussy. Like, can you find pleasure in just being alive? Can you find pleasure in maybe finding a new cute outfit? Like how can you incorporate pleasure and enjoyment into your day through the body and then work up to more advanced things like processing rage through (laughs) orgasm (laughs) it's so funny because this is totally it's like such a me thing not just me like there are a lot of you know tantricas and sexual practitioners that know this and have practiced this but between Camille and me me processing rage through orgasm is something that is just funny between us because I would think would be hilarious because it's like I know it's just the difference in both of us I'm like yeah I feel you know how I I mean I have my own stuff that I'm obviously going through and processing too but specifically rage would be Lauren (laughs) so weird why I have so much rage I wonder if I always will or if it's just one of my seasons in life (laughs) I guess we'll just have to wait and see yeah we'll just have to wait and see This week's episode was sponsored by the one and only Amber Bath Bathing Essentials. These are products that Lauren and I have used throughout our entire lives. We have sold these products our whole lives. (laughs) These are our mother's all organic, all natural, family run, women owned products. So if you are interested in getting the best minimal ingredients, scrubs, soaps, salves and body butters go to amberbath.com and use code wolfpack at checkout for 20 percent off and a free little gift from your dead mothers we love you i think this has been one of my favorite episodes wow 
I don't know. I just felt really present through the whole episode and like really enjoying what we were talking about. I do too. And I actually want to say something to our pack. If you love our podcast, please review it for us. Leave us five stars, send it to your friends. Camille and I come on here every week just to talk to you. And if you're really enjoying it, show us some love because we love to hear about how you're responding to it. It's not just a validation thing, but it just feels good. Like we're having a conversation to hear how you're ingesting this information. So yes, let us know, please come join us on Patreon. Let's create this Wolfpack momentum and keep this going strong. Cause I hope to do this for years and years and years to come. I mean, we're just yeah. getting baby. Me too. And with that, we love you all. We will see you next week for another exciting episode of the Sex Den. Yay. Thank you.